Welcome back for episode 28 of Self-Signed Artist. Today, we're talking about using one-of-a-kind merch items to connect with your fans with Julia Breen from Similar Kind. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. And today we're joined by Julia Breen, the lead singer of Similar Kind. They're an indie pop band out of Connecticut who's not only been putting out catchy single after catchy single throughout 2020, but they've also been getting creative with ways to connect with their fans, like with one-of-a-kind live vinyl recordings, which is something we're going to talk about a little bit later. So welcome to the podcast, Julia. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is this is awesome. And I was just scrolling through Instagram the other day, going through stories and everything, and you guys popped up. And this is something that I had had a thought to talk about with you guys for a little while. So I'm glad we can finally make this happen and and talk about it for our listeners who are mostly musicians. So I I just discovered you guys and your music earlier this year in 2020 uh, when you released the song Maria. So that's the first song I stumbled across and I was instantly hooked by that song. It's uh, super, super catchy, sing-alongable. <laughs> and Prior to that, how how much had you guys put out? You'd put out an EP in 2019, and was that the first thing that you had done as a band? Yeah, that was the first like project we ever put out because it was like that was after a year of us being together. It was like songs that we had written through the course of the year. It was only four, just because like that was all we had started out with. But yeah, that was our first project. Faces and places was the name of that, and so you guys had been together for a year prior to putting that out. Had you been? like playing shows and everything as well during that time? Yeah, we actually like, we played a show with like, when we first got together and started playing, we were playing like with the intention of playing our first show. So when we played our first show, it was only like three weeks or so into us like actually being a band. Oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy, but it went super well. So like, and then ever since then, we just played like a ton of local shows for that year. We never really like got out of Connecticut very much that first year but yeah we played like a ton of local shows that first year nice so can you talk a little bit about your background before that in music because i mean that's fairly recent that you guys formed this band so i'm assuming that you and a lot of the other members had been doing things beforehand maybe playing in other bands can you talk about about that a little bit how you started making music yeah totally i mean me personally i hadn't Like, I had only done, like, little musical theater things as a kid. Like, and, like, I don't know, but, like, stupid things. Not anything ever, like, actually important. Um, (laughs) And then I was in a band in my sophomore year of high school. And we were, like, a little alternative punk, mostly cover band. And then, yeah, so, like, and we played a bunch of local gigs as well. And then um, I know Ben and Evan were in, like, a bunch of different bands or not a bunch, but like a few different bands before as well. So we were all like coming from from bands that were more like childish though and like not as serious, I guess, because it was just like, I don't know, more for fun and like practice was like less of a serious thing. It was just like friends hanging out and making music. But so yeah, we all had like prior 
band experience, but it just wasn't as much of like a serious thing. I mean, especially because we were all like, you know, 15 and 16 before this band. Yeah. So it was like, well, how serious can it get? <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like everybody kind of starts out that way, just messing around, doing it for fun. And then there's a moment where you realize that this is going to, this could be like an actual thing. Are Are you guys all from the same area? Because I know you're kind of listed as being based out of Norwalk, Connecticut, but is everybody from there originally? I know you're kind of spread out right now. Yeah. So Ben and Evan and I are all from Norwalk. Like we all like live there, even though Ben and I go to school in different places. And then our drummer Miles is from, I think Weston or okay. Wilton. I don't remember. I don't know, remember which part in Connecticut, but <laughs> he lives in Fairfield. And then our bassist Nate is from like more upstate. So he's like an hour upstate. Okay. But we all like are from Connecticut. Yeah. From the, the general area, at least where it's not too much of an issue, but you guys are, uh, are you all in school or are you kind of spread out even further for that? Um, yeah. So well, Ben and I, Ben goes to school in Nashville and I go to school in New York. So like for shows, if he's home, then like I can come home because it's only like an hour away or so. During the school year, we have to base shows around if Ben is home or not. Because obviously like that's a flight, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then Evan and Miles are not in school and Nate goes to school in Hartford. So it's not as like big of a big of a deal as well. Okay. That's I mean, that still sounds like it can be a tricky thing as a band just not being physically in the same location all the time. I'm sure that makes for some fun planning for for shows and, and stuff like that. I mean, I guess right now that's not as big of an issue just with everything that's going on in the world, but I could see in normal times that that could be kind of an interesting logistical thing as far as just planning everybody to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's been like, I mean, it gets difficult, but it's also like we plan it out so that we have content and like songs and videos and stuff to release over the dead space. And then Mm -hmm. like during winter break and summer, we just like load up on shows then. So those are like our main show times. And then we just try to like have as much stuff that we like made during that time to put out so that it's not like three months of nothing, you know? Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And those are kind of like the times when everybody else is sort of free to go to shows and things like that too, as well. So that kind of, that's true. That kind of works out in maybe not so difficult of a way. I want to talk a little bit about you guys as a band and your your band image, because you're from similar backgrounds, at least some of you are from similar backgrounds, being from the same hometown, but everybody in the band has kind of their own image and their own personality that forms this overall image for you as a band. I'm interested to hear your take on it for our listeners specifically, who are mostly other musicians. And I guess so before before we get into this, so for for context, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is building a brand. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that word brand and branding because I feel like sometimes when we focus on that, it can lead people into inauthenticity and like trying really hard to create an image and fans can see right through that. So you guys though, you have a great look. You have an instantly recognizable look. 
it fits your music. So fundamentally, that's those are the building blocks of a strong brand. But at the same time, it feels authentic. So can you talk about that a little bit? Where does where does that come from for you guys, that sense of identity? I mean, I think like each of us definitely have like very different styles and it we thought that it was kind of like clash like I don't know, I feel like at the beginning we thought it would like clash a little bit just because like I don't know, we just had different ways that we I mean, especially like how we dress, we thought about because like, I don't know, on stage at a show, it just looks a certain way. And we were like, kind of really worried about looking like not put together. <laughs> um, but, but I think that having people dressed, I don't know, really different, it d- definitely does like, I don't know, it just shows that they're like different personalities. And I think like, I really, I really like that, that we all like, are very different and can express that way. And then also, I think it also, it like comes through to the music as well, because we all like, like we're not all musicians from one genre and we didn't all come from bands from the same genre and like even are trying to be in one specific genre. Like we all bring definitely different influences to the table. And so like that also we were worried was gonna kind of clash because if we didn't like decide on a genre or something, that it would mess us up and I don't know, it would sound like misdirected or whatever. But I think it just kind of like made it come together in a nice way because like with the guitar and like how the guitar is affected, it, I think it like hones in on the, the indie pop, but then with all the other like random influences and like rush drumming and like funk bass and stuff, it just like, like it still has a center, but there's just like a bunch of random stuff. And I feel like our personalities also kind of coincide with that, that we're all just like kind of different, but it works out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really interesting what you said about being afraid that it wasn't going to come across as like put together. Because I think a lot of people are, are worried about that. But at the same time, I don't know if put together is necessarily something that you want to come across as where it feels like manufactured or contrived in some way that you're, you're try it it comes across as trying too hard to do something so having you guys all bring your own personality to it i think really works and it doesn't come across as like i don't know separated or disjointed it just comes across as authentic and it has kind of created its own thing that i think is appealing so i i think that's something that a lot of our listeners can look at and learn from i'm curious to see if you have any words of advice to other artists and bands out there who are searching for their own image. Because for some people, I think that's really difficult. Like, like for me, I'm, I'm a mixer, not an artist. But if I were, I mean, I have no sense of style whatsoever. I wouldn't know where to start with kind of creating a unique image. Like, what would you suggest for somebody like that? Somebody like me, who's trying to put this together in an authentic way? Hmm. I mean, I think you should try to like, experiment with things and like push and not push it but like I don't know just like try out new things and see what works but at the same time don't push yourself to do things that like don't make you comfortable with it and like with the image and like with how you're presenting then it's just gonna like I like you said come across as not genuine and also like not be great for your confidence as well I feel like just I don't know, experimenting with like looks and different things that you see on other people 
and are like, oh, that's really cool. And then like, I don't know, kind of adopt it in your own way that like makes you feel comfortable. Because if you're just like, if you're with a group of people, it can be so, I don't know if someone's like, okay, well, you know, we're, we're trying to go for this look. And then, so you have to like go for that look. And it just like, doesn't, it's just not fitting you. I think, I think like other people can probably tell, but even if they can't tell, like you can't, and that, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Just like being comfortable with, but also like trying new things and not just like, you know, staying with what you're used to, I guess. Right. Can you, can you walk us through any of that process for yourself or any of those things that you have come up for you that you've done or anybody else in, in the band? Cause you guys have had the kind of an evolving image over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think actually, well, no, I feel like a lot of us have gone through like different style changes and everything since, and since the beginning of the band. And I mean, I think a lot of it is because we, started out at like a certain age where you're going to be experimenting with like how you look and stuff. But I mean, I think especially with Ben and I, we've changed our hair a lot in the past few years. (laughs) And like, I don't know, I feel like I personally figured out like, okay, I feel like my whole life I wanted to cut my hair short, but I didn't, I was like too afraid to do it, but I knew it's what I wanted to do. And so like, and then I cut it or I shaved it. And then now I'm just like, trying to vibe with the weird ways that it's going out right now. But I I realized I feel like really comfortable with having short hair. And I guess as like right now, it's part of like my image, I guess. I don't know. But if I was like, if it was a thing that made me uncomfortable thinking about and like made me not, I don't know. I I thought about it and be like, Oh, I don't want to do that, but it'd probably look good if I did like, then it's something I shouldn't have done, you know? Right. Just, taking I guess taking risks and also being somewhat impulsive with it but being only impulsive with things that like I actually wanted to do and realized that I liked on other people I think that's that's the key and you work it into the brand brand in quotes <laughs> as uh, part of what you guys are building but that it it came from someplace other than like I'm gonna do this so that I put across this image like it's a, a hard thing to navigate, I think, and it has to just come from the right place. So, yeah, I, that's something I wanted to ask you guys about because I think it's something that a lot of bands and artists can learn from. Another part of your brand, I'm, even the bigger, a bigger part of your brand, is your sound. And I've noticed that you guys do a lot of work in the same studio. So you're doing a lot of work at the Factory Underground, which for those of you listening out there who don't know, it's a a great studio in Norwalk, Connecticut. How big of an influence do you think your collaboration with that studio has had on your music overall? Well, we've been with this studio for a while because I did like voice lessons and engineering lessons there Hmm. and also interned there. So like and when we were both like mid-age teenagers. So it's been like a long time that we've known Kenny and Ethan, the owners there. So it kind of like the collaboration process with them was, it's always just been easy because we've known them for a long time. And we like, we know that they can like see what we want, but even if they can't, like we can articulate to them. Like it's not, the communication is not an issue with them because we are like, we have a close relationship with them. And um, Kenny has been producing the, the tracks for us mostly and, like he definitely 
he has a big influence on us just because he's so he's just so good at what he does <laughs> and like he can see our songs and appreciate them and then be like okay like it would really level it up if you know you could add these sounds or you know put like this in this place or whatever so yeah he definitely like has had a big influence on how the songs go from like being live and being recorded and um yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's such a fun process being in the studio there as well, just because it's like a big, like trying out things and, and seeing what works. And it's fun to see the songs like transform and just hearing all the new little parts to it. So yeah, they're definitely like, we love them there. It's a great place. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome that you guys have that background there too. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that, that you guys had had a relationship with them prior to even working with them as a, a band. I, I think... On this, Jake and I are both kind of biased since we both run studio businesses on like the how important the relationship between an artist and a studio is. But how how important do you think it is for artists to have that kind of like studio home base, like a a main place that they do a lot of work at? Or is that just something that happened to work out for you guys? Or do you think that's actually a fundamental thing or an important thing for all artists? I mean... For us, it just kind of worked out that way just because like, you know, they offered to do the first EP for us and then it just kind of like started becoming like a home base type of thing. And we didn't really like know what we were doing. So we didn't have a plan to do that. Mm. But I definitely think that is like a really helpful thing. I mean, firstly, because you get so familiar with all the people and like, especially having a good relationship with like a producer and like the audio engineers it's just so important because if they don't like you, then like, <laughs> then you're screwed. Like, I don't, like, it's just not gonna, they're not gonna put like their, their love and effort into it. And like, it's just gonna come out like shit, honestly, or at least not like with your image of it. Mm-hmm. But then also I feel like for the creative process, like going to a place that feels familiar and you're like very used to it, especially if it's a, a good vibe, like in the, in the area and like, I don't know, it just, it just feels good to be there, then like, I think that it it can be really helpful too. Yeah, Jake, I'm actually interested to get your perspective on that as well, since you're kind of working on both sides of the glass as an engineer and also as an artist. So what do you think are some of the pros and cons of sticking to like a home-based sort of studio like we were talking about, or, or even an actual like home studio of your own? A lot of people are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the pros and cons versus jumping around and like spreading your work across a bunch of different studios? Well, like Julia was saying, I think it's good from an artist's perspective to have at least somewhere where you're comfortable, just so you 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 can be authentic and you can be yourself without having to worry about, you know, whatever else is going on. And then I would say the biggest advantage and disadvantage to having a home studio or whatever, like being able to work on if you have a home studio you can access your music whenever you want you can mm-hmm. you can tweak that kick drum at 3 a.m you know what i mean like or when you're working with another engineer or at another studio your music kind of lives there so it gives you a chance to like i don't know like sit back and think about what you want to do to the song or different ideas i don't know i feel like when because I do it myself all the time. I get too zeroed in on things when I'm recording my own music. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if it's, if someone else is doing it, like when you would do it, it's like it takes my worry away from that side of things and allows me to view it from like almost like a bird's eye view of the song. 
I would say. Right. And then having somebody that you work with often just adds to that like comfort yeah, to be able yeah. to like go and do that. That makes, exactly. makes a lot of sense. I was having a conversation last night with one of my clients that, cause I'm not doing sessions right now. The he's been going to a different studio or been trying out different studios. And he's like, like, yeah, sometimes it's cool or whatever. And or, or the space is nice, but like, I'm comfortable at your house. Like I'm comfortable coming to your studio and I know the quality that I'm going to get and I can perform in, in the way that I want and whatever. So yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely key. Mm. So Julia, speaking about the recording, you've done a lot of recording for your actual releases and everything at the factory underground, but to come at it from a slightly different angle, one of the main reasons that I reached out to you guys to come on the podcast today is this recording project that you're about to take on and you have pre-orders available right now for one of a kind live vinyl recordings of some of your songs. Can you walk us through what that project is? Yeah. So basically if you just like pre-order, if you like go to the pre-order link, you can pick any of our songs and then we play it live and it's directly recorded onto a vinyl record. And we can also like say a little message in the beginning, like, hi, Vanessa, you know, this is for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of like an intimidating process though, because <laughs> like, I'm really scared to, to mess anything up because then Vanessa has that recording forever and it's <laughs> like I'm messing up on it. So yeah, I mean, I'm a little nervous about it, but it's also like a really cool concept. So I'll just have faith in, in us and hopefully we'll be okay. We're kind of rusty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a really, really cool idea to have something so personal and also to have something that's one of a kind as a fan. So where did that idea come from? Is that something like from Factory Underground where they just had the, is that where you're recording them at Factory Underground? It's um somewhere in New York. I'm not sure about all the details of it. Oh. I know Ben reached out to them because they're like, that's what they do. They do like live to vinyl sessions and he reached out to them and they were like, hell yeah, come, come through. Um, but yeah, so that's like, I guess what they do. I don't know. And it wasn't, it wasn't our idea. It was like, it was their thing. Interesting. So it, where did the idea for, for you guys come from? Was that just stumbling across their website or something like that? That studio? Yeah, I think, I don't know how Ben came across them, but he came across them somehow and then just like reached out to them right away. Are there, would you say there's any records that like inspired you guys to, to do the vinyl thing? or that you're trying to emulate the sound of or anything like that? Ooh. Honestly, we haven't really thought about that, but that's definitely something like that we should talk about beforehand because I think that would like I don't know, guide the the sound of it kind of nicely. So thank mm. you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm trying to think of like final records that I have at home that I just like love how they sound. I mean, obviously it wouldn't sound like this, but I don't know if you're familiar with the musical Godspell, but mm -hmm. that vinyl is like, it just sounds so like, I don't know. It's just so, so old and beautiful. Like, I just love like, I don't know. The new vinyls kind of don't sound, it doesn't have the same like nostalgic sound as old vinyls do. So that's a, that's a fantastic segue into my next question. Which is, <laughs> how do you feel about vinyl as a media medium? I don't know which one it is. <laughs> Um, I mean, I like, I went through a phase 
probably like my junior year of high school where every album that I really liked, I wanted on vinyl because I had my little, my little like Crosby thing in my room and like a nice little setup for it. And it looked all, it looked like all the Tumblr posts and everything. (laughs) Um, But I mean, now it's difficult because I'm literally in like a closet of a room in East Village right now. So I don't have it with me. And so like, I haven't listened to a vinyl record in like a minute, but it's kind of sad, but at the same time, it's like, it's hard because I understand why it's shifting away from that because it is so like inconvenient. Like it's so expensive to buy the vinyls because I don't know, they're always just so much more than like buying it on your phone, but it also kind of sucks because it's like you're missing. Yeah. Yeah. So vinyl like had, had a time and then it came back and it's, I think it's still kind of here and it's lingering, but I, I just don't know how long how much longer it will be around not around but like how much longer it's going to be like oh everybody like like all three of us probably have vinyl players and vinyl records you know what i mean but to like piggyback on what you're saying i think there is like starting to be something missing about like getting a physical copy of like uh, a record like i was i heard on uh joe rogan he said it the other day like he used to get the whatever it was, the eight track, the the vinyl, whatever. And you like pull it open, you'd see all the pictures and stuff. But like, that's not a thing anymore because we have Instagram and all that. So that can't be a thing. But like, I wonder what's going to replace the next physical format, the next physical copy audio, or will there be one? That, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Where, where do you think that's, what direction do you think that's heading? That's crazy. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's so hard because it seems like everything is just going to digital. You're like losing the physical thing. I don't know, man. But like, I hope something, I guess, because it is nice to like, I mean, I, I guess for me personally, I don't mind like if I like, you know, one one song from an album or something that I like download, you know, it's convenient to have like a whole big library on my phone and I could just shuffle it and whatever. Right. But like, I think I personally like having a physical copy of like, full albums that I love, you know? So it's like for something like that, I don't mind having the inconvenience of it, but, but yeah, I wonder if they could like find something or like make something that is not as inconvenient as like having a big thing. And that like is more accessible, you know? Well, I think also though, maybe some of what might be considered an inconvenience in certain circumstances is also a benefit. Like what you guys are doing where you're going and doing these live to vinyl one-of-a-kind things you can't really have that same experience with whatever a digital like an mp3 like if it's not the same to send somebody a unique recording of an mp3 as like a physical copy of something you can't share it it's just like you have it and that's it so i feel like that might be a big part of the the future of that type of physical medium like having just a one of a kind thing. I, so I, I, I think that's really, really cool what you guys are are doing with that and what that studio is doing with that as well. Is this is this the second time you guys have done this, or is this the first time that you're going in? I thought I saw something a, a while back. Oh yeah, because we like like we figured out the date like a long time ago. So okay. we've been promoting this months now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So as far as like the actual process of making the recordings go, if you guys haven't been in there before, maybe this will be a a surprise to you and and you don't know exactly how this is going to go down, but what is, what does the actual process look like? Is it sort of just setting up in a room and you just go 
and and that's it? I mean, I think we just go there day of and then they have the room there. And I don't know like what the actual the actual like recording process is or how they record it or like what is I don't know how the miking works or whatever, like, but but yeah, I have no idea. But it's just we just go there that day and then they're like, here's the list, and then you just do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. This is something that Jake and I would probably geek out about real hard, yeah. both being studio people, like what the mix process is like, if stuff like that, because I'm assuming they're cutting it straight to vinyl. So it's got to be something like a, a live show almost where they're mixing it live and, and cutting it straight. So I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm, I would be curious to talk to you guys after it all goes down and see what the whole thing was actually like. So, because on these recordings also, it seems like kind of, whatever happens like happens like it gets recorded that way and i mean i'm sure you you mentioned being rusty like i'm sure none of you will make any mistakes but <laughs> if you did make a mistake like you said it's going to be it's going to be on there yeah but you know i guess that's um cute i guess they get to yeah. have that mistake i hope i hope they don't mind i don't know <laughs> i i think that's part of the the thing like part of the experience like this is a live performance if it was if it was going to be a big produced thing like where you're doing multiple takes cutting together a bunch of takes i mean that kind of loses some of that magic of like what the actual thing is so i i don't know i think that's that's part of the appeal i think is that any little things that happen happen and they're there i'd like to get your perspective on some other sort of merch ideas and things like that that are along similar lines like this idea of one of a kind merch or even imperfect things for your fans i think it builds has potential to build such a personal connection but it's something that i don't see all that many artists doing or or bands so why do you think that is is it just that it's so time consuming to do something like that yeah i mean i feel like it's super time consuming to have to like do each thing individually, especially if you're getting like a ton of orders in, but also it's so easy to just mass order like a ton of shirts or whatever that are all going to come exactly the same just because like, it's just so much cheaper. I mean, I feel like our merge in the past since we have been so low budget, it's kind of been like one of a kind stuff because in the beginning we screen printed it. So a lot of them would like, come out kind of weird but kind of cool and then some of them we would like do i don't know put in a different spot or like a different angle or whatever mm. and then now our most recent like merch batch is embroidered so i guess it's like more precise than screen printing but it's also still like each one is embroidered by one of Ben's friends Julita oh cool so it's all like yeah it is like personal personalized i guess but i mean we've been doing that just because we have like friend artists that have these you know have this equipment and like have these talents but like someone who wouldn't just randomly know someone who like has the screen printing machine or has like an embroiderer like whatever the machine is a sewing machine i guess then like they wouldn't have access to that and then what are you supposed to do you know so I guess like it's kind of it can be an option for some people, but it also just like isn't for other people. And then but but it also like it is very cute to have a piece of merch that I don't know that, you know, like the loved one into it. Like in my in my first band, when we did our first show, I don't know why we thought we needed shirts for our first show ever. <laughs> like we were gonna buy a shirt, but but people bought them. But we bought like paint 
like fabric paint and we literally painted rainbows on the back of every <laughs> single shirt and it took like 45 minutes per shirt like it was ridiculous <laughs> but i still see people like they send me snapchats like i'm in your shirt so i guess it was worth it but but it definitely wasn't like an actual sustainable thing for long term <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's part of it, too, is that it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that everything you do is one of a kind. Uh, I think like a lot of people kind of like you said, like it starts out more from like as a necessity, like in order to have merch, you're making your own merch or you're having a friend make your own merch. And I think a lot of bands and artists just sort of lose that over time. You have more opportunities to do bigger runs of merch and stuff like that. And instead of keeping the one-of-a-kind stuff and then starting to do the more mass-produced sort of things, they just sort of switch over to mass-produced. So that's something I would encourage people to do is just like keep that personal touch. I think that's something that a lot of fans are looking for. And even though it takes a little bit of extra time, I think that's important. And like Jake, you've done in the past, you've done like small runs of handmade shirts, right? Like the the wine shirts and things yes. like that. Do you think that one-of-a-kind stuff is is worth the extra work in that case? Oh, always, dude. The and I'm sure I'm sure Julia can say the same thing. Like when people come up and they they see the shirt, they come up and they pick the shirt up and then they see that it's handmade, like they're like, "Oh, like you made this?" You know what I mean? Like they're stoked that it's not just a printed shirt. They they think it's like not quirky, but they like like it a little bit extra. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've had that experience with our screen printed shirts. Like there was one show where we were just like slinging them out and we were like running low at the end and people would come up and we'd be like well the only one in medium we have like the im is just like not there is that okay and they're like no i love that it's so different so yeah i definitely see how like the personal touch makes people feel like more connected to it yeah i, I think maybe that's a misconception that a lot of artists have that like everything has to be or that like I don't know, to come across as professional, that means everything has to be perfect or like you said earlier, really like put together. So that's something that we like to do on this podcast a lot. That's kind of the foundation of this whole podcast is just like smashing common misconceptions that artists have when it comes to their business as musicians. Do you think there are any other misconceptions or myths that you see artists kind of falling victim to that we could debunk on this episode, even outside of the merch or the the unique pieces and anything like that? Hmm. I feel like, okay, well, especially on a more like, not, not famous, but like in between the threshold of, you know, famous, like getting pretty recognized and like having fans. I feel like people, I don't know, it, just say like they have like 50,000 on Instagram it's not like, you know, they're not at like millions, but mm -hmm. it's like still they have a following and everything. I feel like people think in order to like be more professional and like appeal, like, and I don't know, come across as professional, you have to like make your scheduled posts and like do all these things. And I don't know, but I feel like people just want to see the personalities more and want to like connect with you more. And so I think like responding to, to Instagram DMs is like absolutely so important, but also like, like just posting like silly stuff and like, and I mean, I know we don't do that on our, on our Instagram really, but for example, we made us like literally the silliest TikTok one day <laughs> and it got our, like nobody loves you. Our, our song that we just put out had like 
a couple thousand streams. And then the streams on that song went up 925%, I think, of <laughs> TikTok, wow. where we were just being so stupid. Like, but you could see all of our personalities coming through. And so like all the comments were like, oh my God, I'm such a simp for Nate. And like, I don't know. So it was just like, I feel like they see the personality and then it's like, oh my God, I want to listen to your music. Whereas like, I feel like people need to present mostly. And we definitely like fall victim to this as well. Or like, oh my God, we need to come across as so professional. And like, we are not silly and we are so serious about our music. But like, sometimes people just really want to like, I don't know, like love a group of people and be like, Oh my God, I want to be their friend. And then, wow, this song is really good. Like I want to support them, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point. And something that, like you said, everybody kind of struggles with that to a certain degree. I think we struggle with that on this podcast too, because we're trying to kind of ride the line between like talking about things as, you know, business, helping people with like the business side of their careers and promoting their music. But it's really hard to talk about that sometimes without kind of making it feel like it has to be all planned out all the time and all perfect. So yeah, I think that's that's great what you said, just kind of letting personality come through, not taking everything too seriously. You can take things seriously, but not taking everything too, too seriously. Cool. So we're getting uh, close to the end of our, our time. I like with our guests to kind of wrap things up with a, some people find it a difficult two-part question about the future. So in five years, where do you see yourself as a band? And then also, where do you see the music industry headed? Can you make any predictions about that? Hmm. Well, well, for the industry part, I think a lot of people, especially like more older people are seeing it like, oh, this is the the new reality. We're going to have to like figure out how to social distance all shows and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think I fully have faith that things can be restored at least somewhat back to normal. I, I got an email from Ticketmaster that was saying that like they're looking into reopening shows, but you just have to like fill out a pre-screener and show your like, or like have a test also. And then just that shows that you're like negative. And so that's just giving me hope that probably in five years time, things will be like at least somewhat back to normal in a way that, you know, isn't really depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then as a band, I mean, my goal is just that we're still like making music that we want to make. And we just have like more people that are listening and that we're able to like tour and just meet people and tour and, you know, regardless of like where exactly we're going or like what exactly we're playing, I just want to like be touring. Yeah. It was that, that was kind of in the plan for you guys for 2020, I'm assuming. Yeah. We had like mad dates booked for the summer <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they were all gone. And it's funny looking back on it now because like in April we're like, no, I'm, I'm sure the July dates will be fine. Like we'll definitely <laughs> go in July. And now it's like, I really hope we can play next summer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it's okay. You know, when it comes back, like it's going to feel so, so good. So, so it doesn't matter. It'll, it's all worth it. Yeah. And you guys ended up making, I mean, you, you were able to continue things even without the shows and everything. Like you said, kind of staggering some of your releases and things like that. I mean, I discovered you guys right around the start of the pandemic and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm sure from what I've seen, you guys are still doing really well and making the best of it. 
So I don't know. I'm excited to see where you guys go in the future. And I know that's a hard thing to predict and to put into words and to talk about and to think about even, but I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and and talk with us about all of this. I think we've given our listeners, all musicians and artists and bands, a lot to think about and things to try and emulate that you guys are doing really, really well. Is there is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Any message or anything else that you guys have coming up? Well, we do have our our song, Nobody Loves You, that just came out. We do have a stripped version, like a little coffee shop soundtrack version coming out on November 19th. So that's the next thing we're putting out. And then we also have our live to vinyl too. So if you're interested in hearing our mistakes, then you can, um, <laughs> can pre-order one of those. There will be minimal mistakes, but any little mistake will be the added touch that you want in the vinyl. So if you're, if, if somebody's looking for that and they want to put in a pre-order, where can they go to find that? So on our Instagram at similar kind, the link, like our link tree is in our bio and it's, it's listed in there. And when is that available until when, when can people pick those up? I think, I think it's available up until the day. Okay. I should know the date of it. I think it's like November 24th or something, but if you don't hold me to that. If you, if you want one, order it as soon as you hear this because I don't know exactly like what day we're doing. But so that's my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no worries. You heard her. Go do it right now. As soon as you're done listening to this episode, before it's too late, you never know when they're going to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so to everybody out there who's who's listening to this, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you can take some of these things that we've talked about today, about one-of-a-kind pieces of merch or unique experiences, or just connecting with your fans through social media being genuine, and apply that to your own brand and your own business in an authentic way. So thank you for tuning in and supporting the podcast. And thanks again to you, Julia, and to Similar Kind for, for, for being here and helping us out with this today. Yeah, thank you so, so much for having me. This is so fun. Yeah. So go ahead and leave one, two, three, four, five star. No. <laughs> is that confusing or does that work? Well, they could leave one, two, three, four, or five stars. So it's accurate, I guess. So go ahead and leave a one, two, three, four, five star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you could write just a little something under there about what you liked about the podcast that you heard today, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate that. And thank you in advance. Well, that's all we've got for you this time. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. 